at long last we have proper cricket weather and the sun is shining and beaming almost as broadly as the sun is our very special guest today, Miss Isha Gua. Isha, how are you? What an intro. Thanks so much, Darren. Great to, <laughs> great to be on the show and, uh, and nice to see you as well, Paul. You're a busy girl as always um, and uh, hot off the heels of Lord. What was it like being at Lords with, uh, with spectators and test cricket going on? Yeah, honestly, uh, I felt tremendously giddy uh, going into that first day at Lords. Um, just being able to walk through the gates again to to hear the buzz of of not a full crowd, but some crowd back uh, and some fans, and to have Test cricket back at a place that I'm I'm particularly close to. I, I mean, I trained a lot uh, when I was playing there, um, right from when I was a, a a kid to when I was playing for England. So. Um, lots of lots of fun memories and a special attachment just because of all the history there, I guess. Um, and yeah, the, the morning was great. Uh, just nice to get back to work and, and to kind of kick off the summer at Lords. It was quite nice to be back there with New Zealand. Obviously, um, it's, it's almost like closing a circle since the World Cup final again <laughs> against New Zealand and then to be back at Lords with a crowd and New Zealand again, the oppo. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that was obviously talked about uh, uh, I was very careful not to ask Kane Williamson that question, though, um, <laughs> because I knew that he probably would have been asked it about a million times going into that test match. Um, and obviously they, you know, they coming into it with the, the test championship in mind um, and England with a big summer ahead. So there was lots to play for. Um, that first day, you know, we were obviously really, really giddy, really excited. And so that's why it was, I guess, quite deflating. Um, how the day unfolded um, with what happened later on that afternoon and then into the evening and how we were going to cover it um, on the BBC and um, as broadcasters. And yeah, so I think I think that was ge- the general feeling of, of everyone involved. Obviously, it's the, the main talking point and, and everyone's got an opinion and a view on this. Have you got anything that you'd how you feel about this or what you want to say? Yeah, I mean, obviously horrendous. Uh, the actual tweets were horrendous um but as someone who believes in giving people a second chance i think that is necessary um i thought the the way that um joe handled it i, I mean he was the first person that i actually thought of him and the rest of the team um to have to to deal with this but also i guess those that have been affected by the comments um which i i guess i didn't really hear too much of that side of the opinion across the course of the four or five days um a lot of focus was was on ollie robinson in particular a man making his debut um and what he has to deal with but um i think it was you know i think it is important going forward there is an investigation underway at the moment um, which means he has to be suspended to take a look firstly at uh, where he was at the time um whether he was under contract um but also you know, finding out if if he has indeed changed. Um, that's why I think it is important that we that we hear from the man himself going forwards. Um, but but then you think of those you know around the group. Um, if it had been played, if the match had been played um, at a stadium that a bit that was a bit more representative of the population in the UK, if it was against uh, an opposition um, such as India. Pakistan or the West Indies, um, how how it might have been treated differently if Jofra Archer was in the team at the time, 
Hasib Hamid, obviously, amongst the squad. So it's important that, you know, while there is a process that needs to happen and um, there is a duty of care to to Ollie Robinson um, and the education needs to be looked at as well in, in the sport, um, there is a duty of care to those that have potentially been affected by the comments as well, um, no matter how long ago they were they were put out there into the mainstream. Yeah, I think uh, it, it does need to be looked at. If, if I think sport, not just cricket, but I mean football, society in general, if they are serious about dealing with uh, online abuse or just hatred in, in general, they, they really need to get their act together, I think. And, and things like, you know, my view on this is that, you know, in the employment world, for example, um, when you're going for a job interview, you have to give up all of your social media accounts uh, and they're investigated before you'll get anywhere with a, a job application. So maybe that's something that needs to be addressed more thoroughly in sport. Yeah, it all needs to be addressed. And and yeah, you could look at that and, and say that's something that needs to be implemented immediately. And why wasn't it initially? Uh, a, a lot of learnings will come out of this for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, if the ECB are going to focus on inclusion and and the players are going to come together for a moment of unity and we are seeing that we want to stamp out racism um both not not just uh, in cricket but in broadcast as well then you kind of need to practice what you're preaching and yeah. i think uh yeah each decision that gets made in the next sort of few weeks will have a huge huge weight on um on the future of of our sport all right going back to the field um, what did you think about the outcome of the game? Um, New Zealand made quite a punchy declaration. Did you feel England should have really gone for it to just try and put the focus back on the field, lift everyone's spirits? Yeah, I, th- I think just for, just from a, a cricket fan point of view, I I would have loved to have seen England go for it. Um, it's, it's very much how I played anyway. I, I was always attracted to cricketers who would almost, I guess, risk losing to try and win a game um, that's just how I wanted to play my cricket as well. So I think from a fan point of view, it's taken a while to get cricket back um, with fans in the stadium. And I, I can't imagine what they were thinking <laughs> late afternoon. Um, it, it was more the intent. It, it was the intent to not score. There, there was no kind of intent to kind of work the ball and, and rotate the strike. And um, yes, we saw that it was a difficult pitch to to play on. I mean, you you could see that from when he, even New Zealand were trying to um, up the run rate and up the scoring rate. There were quite a few fluky shots, but um, I just felt it was a real opportunity for this, I guess, relatively inexperienced top order as well. Um, Joe Root being the most experienced of them all, and the message that was being sent was one of um, don't necessarily trust the middle order. Uh, and and what does that do to to a player? I mean, you look at the flip side and how Rashad Punt has been handled, and and you can very much tell that Ravi Shastri, um, Virat Kohli, Ajinkya Rahane, the message that they're giving is one of we want you to play your natural way, um, within reason, obviously. But I thought the way he played in in Australia was a guy that that was free in his mind. Um, but he was also playing sensible cricket and then attacking when he needed to. And, and I just think there is a real difference there in, in mindset. Um, if you feel like you're being protected and actually it's a mindset of let's be safe and try and stop 
stop the opposition from winning compared to let's go for the win. This is a real opportunity for us here. Uh, it's yeah, it, that's that's what it felt like to me that it was England being very protective over their less experienced players. And you're right. There's, I mean, there's two ways to score runs, aren't there? You could, you could understand that Joe might be looking at things going, you know, I've got no Josh Butler, I've got no Johnny Bairstow, I've got no Ben Stokes, I've got no Chris Wokes, I've got no big shot players. But then surely you just rotate the strike, like you say, and you, you move the ball around and you work the ones and the twos and you see how many you can accumulate. Mm, absolutely. And, you know, it, they come out of this with a draw. If they win the, the next test match, they've won the series. Um, but I still feel that it's a potential missed opportunity with Ben and Joss to come back into the team um, aside, you know, you're thinking of Dan Lawrence, who didn't even manage to get back out there after picking up a duck in the first innings. That's going to be playing on his mind when he goes into the next test match. Um, if he had had a chance with that mindset, he might have, you know, it, it might have freed him up a bit. You never know. So, yeah, lots of, again, that was just the way England decided to play it. There are many different, there are going to be many different views about the way they did it. Um, but I, I didn't, you know, I, I was frustrated by it. You mentioned India and they're here now, aren't they? They're, they're, they're isolating down at Southampton. Um, this is going to be quite an interesting WTC final, isn't it? Um, from what I've seen already on, on sort of social media and, and various outlets, the Indian fans are really, really revved up for this. Um, you got any thoughts ahead of that? massive game it's hugely exciting uh, and I actually just feel for the players that obviously did so well in Australia who are probably not gonna feature in this test match because all the big guns are back um, yeah. it's staggering really the India the Indian depth and they have a real chance to kind of go on to a, an extended um, period of dominance much like the Australian team in the you know, mid nineties and, and three to the thousands and and um the West Indies team of the eighties, nineties. So it's um it's it's wonderful to see uh, how serious they're taking the longer format. Um but also I think it's gonna be a good test match. I think New Zealand have got a strong side and they found themselves a, another opener who who looks very composed at the top in Devon Conway. They've got some experience there in the likes of Williamson and Taylor and Latham a strong middle order who have scored big runs in the last year or so or the last couple of years and a, a wonderful bowling attack. Um, the only thing they don't have is raw out and out pace, which I don't know how that's going to affect them at the Aegeus Bowl. Neil Wagner has come in as a bit of an enforcer. Um, his short stuff wasn't that effective at Lords actually. So he had to resort to, to pitching it up a, a little bit more. Um, I think he'll get something out of the Aegeus Bowl track by way of the uneven bounce potentially as the game goes on. But we found with the Duke's ball, certainly last summer, uh, that the wobble ball was was quite a threat, uh, more of a threat. So, yeah, I think not having that out-and-out pace, Mitch Santner injuring his finger, um, is that going to be a problem for, for New Zealand? Otherwise, uh, India looking seriously strong. Yeah, I think it'll be a great occasion. Um, now, you have been one of the leading figures in the advancement of women's cricket over the last 10 years or so it's a big year for, for women's cricket with the 100 uh the Rachel Hayhoe Flint trophy uh I think 
more than I can remember, it's it's as close to front and centre as anything. Absolutely, and it, it just goes from strength to strength. And I think um, it's a combination of investment in the game, more visibility through the broadcasters, Sky, BBC, and a general kind of desire from the top to, to want to support the women and to help them grow. Um, the PCA, so I sit on the board of the PCA, um, We've been working with uh, the ECB uh, with the, the new central contracts, um, which came into place initially back in 2014. So amazing how far it's come so um, until now. The new domestic contracts as well, that is another big, big step for the women's game, I think, because it's that next level down um, and you want to keep bringing people up so there's not a massive jump or a step up to the, the international level. So that is that is a hugely positive move, I think, there needs to be a framework in place to to understand when the regional teams can become fully professional because uh, I think that would put a lot of people's minds at ease those that aren't necessarily on contract who are playing within a team that have five or six players who are fully contracted so um, yeah lots of lots of positives I'd say um, but as always there's always more to do. It was the last big thing before lockdown, wasn't it? It was the Women's uh, T20 World Cup in Australia. And uh, that final at the MCG with, uh, was it nearly 90,000 or even more than 90,000 were there? It was, was quite an occasion. Yeah, it, ne- it very nearly broke the record attendance for a women's sporting event. Um, very nearly got there, but still 85,000 odd came to the MCG. And it honestly, Darren, it was it was just, I think we were all quite emotional on the day because... We're thinking of all those that have gone before and, and the steps that have been taken to get to that point, to have Katy Perry opening and closing the show, <laughs> to have you know Australia lift the trophy. They very much deserved it. Um, it was a shame the game wasn't as, um, as close as some of the other games in the tournament, but they very much deserved um, that trophy because of the way they played. They just played with so much authority. Um, they were bold. Um, they were... They were a team and they weren't phased on the day. So, um, but yeah, just to have so many amazing female cricketers there on the day, not just on the pitch, but in broadcast, in administration. It was just, yeah, a, a really special, special moment. Can I say also how good it is um, for you and the guys uh, leading the coverage on the BBC and just hearing that iconic <laughs> soul limbo theme tune takes me back to when I was 10 years old and... <laughs> sat there and uh, getting all excited for the cricket. Um, There is something really special about it being on the BBC. Yeah, and I was very much aware of that last year when, you know, it returned to the BBC for the first time in 21 years. Um, You know, so much history history and that theme tune, like you say, it's it's embedded in people's (laughs) minds. Um, So, yeah, there was a lot of excitement around it. It's great that we're able to kind of put, put something out every day of the test matches uh, but also we have some live games with the uh, the t20s international t20s um so there's four four in total two men two two women and then of course the the hundreds so yeah great that we're able to showcase it free to wear um people are, are, are getting to see their stars in action or, or the masses are getting to see that their stars in action those that aren't necessarily cricket aficionados uh, and and putting cricket back into the mainstream, I think, is really important for for the game as a whole. Yeah, that that's what will help help it spread. Um, well, it looks like you've got a, a, an incredibly busy summer ahead, and probably then after that, with what, what's going on abroad as well. Um, so, 
we really, really appreciate that you've taken time out to join us today. Uh, and we wish you well for the summer and for the rest of your career. We'll be watching closely. Thank you very much, Darren. Thanks, Paul. Ishiguha, many, many thanks.